Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an African Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Your Story Transmedia, a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and video games publisher in the Winnipeg area. Stay tuned to hear about more of Your Story's works, and be sure to use one-time promo code JETS2020 at yourstory.ca for 15% off your order. On tonight's episode, we will be recapping some fun NHL action and talking about a, a sort of an off-topic segment at the end of the episode that's about some really fun sports-related media, whether it's gaming or maybe some TV shows, some stuff that you might be interested in or maybe wanted some opinions on, but we're holding off on committing to either watching, purchasing, playing, what have you. But before then, we will recap a couple of hockey games for you, and we will start off with Dallas versus Colorado, which was an extremely crazy affair when you think about the scoreline and how it progressed. So Colorado needed to come into this game with a big answer because right now they were down 2-1 in the series, and today was a big test for them. They had to answer and show up and play a very big game, especially against the Stars team that has, for the most part, kind of had their number in some capacity. I think that the Avs have been unlucky, but there have also been a couple of games where they just really weren't playing up to you know up to par for what their standards are, and I feel like they were falling a bit behind. We've definitely seen the Avs be one of the best teams in the NHL, but throughout the series, I think we've seen a little bit less than their best, and I think that that has definitely been reflected in the results. Today, though, they just really didn't show up in the first period, and that basically sank them for the rest of the game. Colorado got absolutely dummied for the first 20 minutes of the game, and before you knew it, they were down 3-0 in the game. In the second period, they notably started to wake up and actually managed to collect a couple of goals, especially as the second period wore on. Nachushkin and then Makar cashed in on a couple of goals, and the Nachushkin one was a bit greasy. I think that that was one of those net mouth scrambles that Nachushkin ended up being able to capitalize on. The Makar goal was a really nice one-timer on the power play, and you thought Colorado might have a shot here, that, that there was something cooking. And then in the third period, Colorado continued to dial up the pressure, and Dallas started to look like maybe they were going to have some issues. And then, you know, the Avs took a penalty, and Rope Hintz restored a 4-2 lead on the power play, but that wasn't it. You know, 30 seconds later, Denis Garyanov capitalized on a really bad misplay by Makar behind the net. He, like, fumbled the puck, and it somehow went between uh, Francouz's left pad in the post and just sort of rolled out in front to where Guryanov had recognized that something was about to happen and Makar is shouting that the puck is rolling there but didn't really do it in enough time for there to be a, a nice stop from anyone and Guryanov capitalized. With a 5-2 lead you thought things might be over and then there was a little bit of a twist late. Uh, Valery Nachushkin again got a second goal. This time he just sort of lobbed it from distance and I think that the shot deflected off of a Dallas Stars stick and seemed to catch Anton Hudobin a little bit by surprise. The puck just kind of knuckleballed, but it was the sort of shot that I feel like Hudobin saw and it just sort of froze him because he wasn't really expecting the change in direction. He will definitely want that one back, but it, you know, wasn't exactly a deal breaker. The Avs were still down 5-3, so you thought that Dallas was in in firm control and feeling like they had it. And then, of course, Colorado pulled the goalie, they had some additional pressure, and right before the bell sounded, Vladislav Nemesnikov scored to make it 5-4 and put just a little bit of extra pressure on the Stars. I kind of feel like Dallas leaks a lot of goals, especially in games where they have huge lead margins, which I think is kind of a a serious issue if you're going to have to face a team like Vegas. You know, the Knights have had some leakier goaltending in the past, but this is a situation where if you're Dallas, Anton Hudobin is basically it. If he for any reason struggles for any period of time against this Knights team, which in all likelihood is going to happen because this is Vegas and they're one of the best teams in the NHL, Dallas is going to be in some degree of trouble. 
Unfortunately for the Avs, I kind of feel like they're done in this series. This was a game that they basically had to win to really have a shot to, to claw back in this series, and I feel like it's basically over. I think Colorado will be more than a bit disappointed with how this whole series has gone. They haven't always played poorly, but they played poorly for long enough that it ended up kind of ruining some of the really strong efforts and just some really poor luck ended up doing the rest of the work that kind of killed this team in the in the series. One thing I think that they will feel they need to do better is is have more consistent efforts, especially at even strength and early in games, because their performances against Dallas were very Jekyll and Hyde, especially earlier in the uh, first couple of games. There were some games where they immediately came out and dominated Dallas, and then there were other games where they looked like they had no idea what exactly was supposed to happen at puck drop. It was kind of weird. And all credit to the Stars, they've been a fantastic team. I think that they've really defied expectations of what people were thinking that they were going to accomplish. But Colorado legit had cup aspirations heading into this postseason picture. And sure, I, I think most people can kind of put a little bit of a uh, an asterisk on this whole situation because, you know, it's obviously sort of out of the norm. Guys haven't been playing for a long time and they've had some time off, and so they're probably rusty. But Colorado has been playing enough hockey recently that they should be a little bit refreshed and should be back into the swing of things at this point. And it just seems like Dallas, for whatever reason, has found both the extra bounces and those extra pushes to get through this team and ultimately surmount, I guess, whatever Rocky Mountain highs we all were expecting Colorado to provide. I think the other thing that's going to be a bit of a, an issue for the, the Avs going forward is that their goaltending wasn't exactly stellar. I don't think it was terrible by any stretch of the imagination, and I also don't think that this is one of those situations where the goalie should be the one taking all of the blame, but Francois and Grubauer did have some struggles. I don't think that that's the first area that I would look at fixing, because I think for the most part, those guys have been league average for most of their careers uh, during the regular season, so I don't think that you have to worry too much, but... In those decisive moments against a team like Dallas, maybe you want a few extra saves here and there, but I'm sure most of the guys would probably point the, the fingers at themselves first because they just didn't have consistent enough performances, especially at puck drop in these uh, earlier starts to the games where immediately Dallas kind of jumped on them and put them in serious deficits before they were able to recover. For Dallas's part, they have a series test coming up, especially if if the Knights are able to beat Vancouver, which it seems like is going to happen. We'll talk a little bit about Vegas and Vancouver in just a bit, but before then, I also wanted to talk about the Islanders and just how bad the Flyers have been in this series. Like the Avs, the Flyers have had some real issues finding a consistent game plan that works for them because Trotz has seemingly had the answer at every turn. Maybe Philadelphia is waking up on the wrong side of the bed every day because in most of their games, they have not been very good. They look tired, they look a little bit slow, and they look frustrated, which is kind of something that you don't often see with this Philadelphia squad. I mean, this is a team that during the regular season looked like one of the best teams in the NHL. They're living proof that having a great start is often very important to getting your day going. And speaking of starting your day off just right, Bilt Bar is back with their new and improved protein bar selection that I can personally vouch as being one of my favorites, especially when I'm looking for a, a meal replacement at breakfast. Bilt Bars are one of the only protein bars that look, taste, and feel exactly like a candy bar. And their new and improved recipe now features six additional flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are built with you in mind, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, perfect for your keto diet. Most Built Bars clock in at under 200 calories, less than 5 grams of sugar, and around 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars not only taste great, they're healthy for you. And right now, you can enjoy a cheeky $10 off your order with promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com for $10 off your next order. If you're looking to change up your protein bar regimen, give Built Bar a try. 
Taking care of ourselves is always one of the most important challenges in our daily routines, and the same can be said for men dealing with erectile dysfunction. Talking about ED is never an easy process. We usually brush it off saying things like, I've lost my mojo, or we just avoid the topic altogether because it's uncomfortable, and we say things like, I've had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. Plenty of guys have been there, we understand what it's like, and we know it can be frustrating to feel like answers aren't available. That's where Roman comes in. With Roman, you can get in touch with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is super easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Earlier in the show, I said that the Flyers have had issues in the series against the New York Islanders putting together a quality performance. Today was one of those games where actually that that wasn't the case. The Flyers played some pretty good hockey, and this was probably one of their strongest games against the New York Islanders team that has continually frustrated them throughout this entire series. Barry Trotz has more or less put on a masterclass and a real clinic on how you game plan for your opponent create lots of really frustrating strategies using a very limited roster, and proven that a lot of what Washington was able to do when they won their Stanley Cup was as a result of his tactical acumen. While he does certainly have some of his blind spots like most NHL coaches, what he's done with the New York Islanders I think has really put on a clinic against some really strong teams. I mean, the way that they were able to frustrate both the Caps and the Flyers has really shown that this is a team that's very dangerous despite the fact that there's not a whole lot of high-end goal-scoring talent in supply, generally speaking. This is like a team that's built out of lots of different scrappier players, maybe some lesser depth forwards, along with some really top-end talents like Matthew Barzal and... I guess Anthony Beauvillier, who for some reason has suddenly decided he's becoming a top-end goal scorer right now. But they're also getting some really good depth contributions from players like Jean-Gabriel Pajot and some surprising production from players like Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson. Leo Komarov has even scored here and there, although some of his contributions in the game have not been as great as you'd expect. Today's game, though, was kind of a mess for the Islanders. Their defense was a bit haywire, their forward unit wasn't really having as much success as it was in previous games, and the depth forwards kind of got caved in. Philadelphia brought a pretty aggressive press, and for the most part, it actually was working. They had an early 1-0 lead, and were probably hoping to carry that at least through the second period and into the third. As the Islanders have shown, though, this is an extremely resilient New York squad, and they were able to tie the game towards the end of the second period, and then take the lead on a Jean-Gabriel Pajot goal right at the start of the third period, which for the Islanders was definitely a huge turning point, and allowed them to start dictating the terms of the rest of the period. Or at least that's probably how Trotz envisioned it would go, but instead the Flyers continued to dictate the terms and drive the pace up and really put a lot of pressure on that on that uh, Islanders back end. The biggest story of the game was probably Thomas Grice being unbelievable in net. He made tons of really high quality saves, he kept the team in the game throughout the whole ordeal, and he was just a really good goalie throughout what was kind of a, a bit of a siege out there. If you're the Flyers, this is one of those games where you actually played really great hockey, and I think that you can be more frustrated and and unsatisfied, not with your lack of effort, but mostly with a lack of good fortune. This is one of those situations where they just ran into a really hot goalie who managed to steal a game for the Islanders, and for the Flyers, that's put them on the brink of elimination. I think that this is probably, to some degree, a surprising result, although with the way that the Islanders were able to essentially dismantle the Caps, maybe some of us were more suspicious that this Flyers team which didn't really have a great round-robin performance, were going to struggle against this team. 
the Flyers in round one weren't that great either, and I think that there were some warning signs that maybe this team was going to have trouble if they struggled as much as they did with Montreal. Because the Habs are, are not not a bad team. I would say that they're actually pretty good when they're playing at full strength, but the issue with the Habs is that they don't really have a whole lot of goal-scoring talent. The Isles, for all of their flaws, definitely have more notable finishers in terms of guys in their top six and in some of their bottom six roles, but it just seems like Trotz's trap and counter system has been working to a T, and, and I'm surprised that some people have called this particular style boring because I think when I look at the Flyers, I find their style of hockey a lot more boring. The Flyers haven't really had high event, high octane, high transition hockey for a while, although tonight was probably one of those exceptions. For the most part, though, when Vigneault gets a lead or, or wants to essentially grind things out, he likes to slow the game down to an almost snail's pace, and against Barry Trotz, it's not going to work. The Islanders have shown a propensity to, even when they slip, switch off like they did in a couple of moments throughout this game, they'll pick it up later in the game and end up putting enough pressure on you to, to really put you in a world of hurt if you're not, not careful with the puck. The Islanders were able to capitalize on a number of Philadelphia mistakes, and ultimately the Flyers were the ones to really pay the price for not having better performances throughout the earlier parts of the series. Now they're in a 3-1 hole, and I don't think that there's a way for them out of this. Philadelphia really has itself to blame for this one, and I think that Elaine Vigneault made a number of decisions throughout this series that maybe didn't pay off. Trotz is probably living high off the hog right now because he's not only ousted his former team, but he's about to oust the Philadelphia Flyers, who were potential Stanley Cup contenders. I'd be very curious to see what happens against a team like Tampa Bay, which plays with a much more up-tempo style, a lot more aggressive forechecks, a lot more skilled depth, and elite goal-scoring talent. That's kind of a dangerous mix for the Islanders because if, if New York makes any sort of mistake, Tampa Bay can easily capitalize on it. The Isles will have to figure out how to shut down that really speedy Tampa Bay counter as well as the successive waves of offensive pressure that the Lightning are capable of doing, especially as the game wears on. They have so many good skaters on the puck that creates a lot of offensive zone pressure, and I think that that's something that, if you're the Islanders, you're probably not really looking forward to that matchup all that much. That's going to do it for our game recap coverage for this evening. There will be some coverage tomorrow, starting with, I think, Vancouver versus Vegas, which is currently ongoing right now. I'll talk about that series, but before then, I wanted to shift gears and talk about some more fun stuff. Before we get to the fun stuff, though, I do also want to tell you a little bit about DoorDash. Now that we're all staying inside a little bit more, figuring out what to do for dinner has been a bit of a challenge, especially when we want to keep it fresh and exciting. I think most of us can probably attest to the fact that frozen pizza and microwave meals tend to get a little bit tiresome after the 10th time in the week. Who do you turn to, then, when you're craving pizza, pasta, Vietnamese takeout, frozen yogurt, fried chicken, or even tacos? For all those questions, DoorDash has the answer. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is super easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to spots or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. It's never been easier to patronize your local go-to spots and get the food you crave on demand. And better yet, you can even get rewarded for placing an order with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero deliveries on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off your order and zero deliveries when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. During these times, it's really important that we all stick together and support our local restaurants and establishments. Be sure to head on over to the DoorDash app and don't forget, use code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. 
As most of you already know by now, I'm also a little bit of a geek. I love the uh, nerd culture and comic books and games and stuff, along with sports. I think that these are things that I'm very passionate about, and I definitely grew up with a lot of comic books and stuff. But it's not always easy finding comic books with a local flavor, something that's tied to where you're from. If you're from Winnipeg, you're probably wondering who out there is making Winnipeg-based comics. The answer is your story, a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and game publisher based in the Winnipeg area. They're currently launching a lineup of comic books, including their flagship comic, the River Nose, set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. I've had the chance to check this one out myself, and it's a really cool film noir detective series with supernatural elements that pulls from famous shows like X-Files, Mad Men, and even some of the darker, grittier, noirish series like Sin City. There's an overriding sense of cosmic dread, but tempered a bit because then you get to see Portage in Maine, which is pretty cool if you ask me. Your Story will also be launching their new Fun For All Ages game called Alien Machine Glow, centered around the hijinks of grumpy old man Gil, who, through the intervention of a well-placed meteorite that lands in his cucumber patch, gains the ability to see aliens. You can check out Alien Machine Glow and all of Your Story's other comic books at yourstory.ca, where you can purchase their ebooks or their limited edition first print run comics that come in 85 by 11 magazine style format. Use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Again, that is JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Closing this out today, I kind of wanted to go a bit off topic and, you know, skip a little bit of hockey because at some point it does get a bit boring to talk about hockey games all the time. I know that's kind of strange to say, but, you know, we're all not really Canucks fans. We're not Dallas Stars fans. You want to talk about something that's a little bit more off the beaten path. And I thought I'd tell you about some fun things that you can watch or play right now if you're trying to find a distraction that isn't hockey related. And one of them is actually a, a video game that is a soccer game of all things, but not a usual soccer game. It's called Captain Tsubasa Rise of New Champions, and it's based on a really old anime series from the 80s, centered around the main character Tsubasa, who captains, I think, the Japanese national team that's like a youth squad at the time. And the game follows him and some of his middle school classmates as they start to rise up the ranks through Japan's youth system. The game is definitely very over the top, and if you're looking for a more classical style of football simulation, this is not exactly that. It's more like football meets like a fighting game, and it's very entertaining, very flashy, but there is some actual strategy to it, you know, where you place your players and who you use can influence what sort of combo moves and goals you can actually score. There are also some additional mechanics that give you things like power-ups or extra what we call stickiness on the ball, so guys are less likely to give up the ball if they're tackled or they have some different combo tackles. I mean, there's all sorts of real fun stuff that sort of adds additional layers of strategy and depth to a game that on the face of it looks very simple. I know I'm super tired of playing FIFA because that game is just terrible and I hate it with a passion. And sure, Subasa definitely has a lot of issues. It's definitely a buggy game, especially the PC version that I've been messing around with, but when I get it running, it's actually very fun. And I think it's kind of a, a refreshing change of pace, especially for a franchise that I never expected to see a game in. Speaking of older franchises that have been resurrected in surprising fashion, I have to say that Cobra Kai, which I, I might have mentioned in a Netflix thing or something ages ago, it's actually come from YouTube to Netflix for the first time, and uh, both seasons one and two just popped up, I think, earlier this week. If you aren't familiar, Cobra Kai follows the Karate Kid movies, but this time, instead of following uh, the LaRusso family, you actually follow Johnny Lawrence, who was part of the Cobra Kai evil dojo, but this time it's many, many decades after the original dojos have closed down, and LaRusso and Lawrence are now in different walks of life. 
Cobra Kai kind of explores what happens when both of these guys end up reigniting the rivalry and sort of deals with the consequences of having all of these new generations of kids coming in to learn karate and ultimately dealing with each other. Some of the drama is definitely a little bit ham-fisted and it can be a bit overwrought and soap opery, but the comedy and some of the action sequences are all very well done. And overall, I feel like the writing is pretty good. Most people thought that this series was kind of a joke, but it actually has a good deal of heart and it's something that I think most people are going to really enjoy. Even if you haven't seen Karate Kid, Cobra Kai is fun. And if you haven't seen the movies, just go watch them first, because it'll give a lot of context to what happens in some of these uh, series and episodes. Hopefully you guys enjoyed these recommendations, and if you have anything you think our listeners should hear about, be sure to hit me up at HLLivingLoco and the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. And stay tuned this week for some NHL 2020 draft coverage hosted by yours truly, and I'll also be inviting Will Scouching on here to talk about a couple of prospects that we both feel the Jets should target at 10th overall. Maybe a little bit of Anton Lundell love in there, and we'll discuss a little bit about how those guys might fit in with the team long term. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night. Go Jets go. See you tomorrow.